Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 102 of Abe Thompson and Other Disappointments. Uh, super psyched to be coming at you, getting all up in your grill from the sunny climes of Phuket, Thailand. Um, some of you may be aware, I don't know if you follow me on Twitter or TikTok, uh, some of you may be aware that I've flown out here for a, it has to be said, financially devastating holiday. <laughs> I can I can confirm that it is crippling me, but that it is also beautiful. We are having a great time out here, and I'm very much uh, loved up to the fucking eyeballs with my family, really loving our first trip away for literally years. So yeah, having some really good times, um, getting to the beach, I'm putting my son in armbands and building sandcastles, and uh, and yes, if I'm honest, uh, shitting myself at the size of the bugs out here, which I know it sounds like I'm being a bit you know, dramatic, but it is a problem for me. Uh, it's a real fucking showstopper. Like, I mean, you could you could invite me to a dinner party with your three most promiscuous nieces and free cocaine all night. And then if you were like, oh, yeah, there's a there's a moth in the utility room. But, you know, don't let it bother you. I'd be like, no, I'm going. Bye. <laughs> like, I'm such I'm such a pussy with bugs like moths, butterflies, gigantic fuck off housefly looking things is what they have out here mutants they're fuck they're mutant insects and shit i don't know if there's like there's something about sunlight helping your flowers and plants to grow bigger and then you know a tropical climate helping these insects to evolve bigger i don't know if there's any science in that but that's what's kind of going around in my baseless unscientific brain right now you know like a, like a bit more sun a bit more radiation a few centuries, and boom, massive inflated fruits and insects and frogs and shit, you know? like <laughs> The sunny climate here appears to have encouraged growth in everything except the people, which is fine. Like, I'm not, I'm not you know, I'm not bullsacking Thai people uh, for their height. I'm like, you know, 5'8", so it's just nice to feel normal um, in that regard. I digress. Uh, honestly, for, right, for a guy with a phobia of butterflies this place was a dumb fucking idea for a holiday it just was <laughs> but as, like as i say it is lush uh, and i'm willing to suffer the indignity of looking like a pathetic coward crying about butterflies for the benefit of the surroundings and you know and the people and the joy of my kids and to keep my woman happy or um, you know or close to happy net happy is <laughs> it's the goal with my girlfriend are you are you but are you net happy yeah okay good Give her one good holiday a year. Keep her expectations broadly appeased. And no, it hasn't helped that I'm habitually referring to this as a placation in that regard. But fuck it. Um, anyway, look, I know at least 100 of you motherfuckers listening are going to be thinking, you know, a phobia about butterflies is ridiculous. But honestly, like out here, butterflies are bats, basically. They're fucking bats. Bats in daylight. Big black wings flapping about unpredictable it's just <laughs> and yes i am scared of the british ones too so i guess the whole bat thing is useless in contextualizing anything butterflies period gross just get the fuck out of here and moths like if i could put a great big beacon in the middle of a field and attract all the moths in britain to it and then spark the napalm i would do it and fuck the impact to the food chain i don't care and there'd be people that would be like, you know, if you did that, then the, um, I don't know, Imicus spaphicus 
is the moth's natural predator and it would mean it would starve and die out which would mean that there's nothing to feed the hedgehogicus mole of devon and cormola i'd be like fuck them i don't care <laughs> it is the one aspect of my life i'm happy to be some sociopathic selfish tory-like asshole who takes action governed purely by self-interest just that one thing and i think that's forgivable you know but I fully appreciate there'll be people that are like, don't kill the moths. Don't kill the moths and the butterflies. Christ aid. Just because you're scared of them. Yes, bang on. Just because I'm scared of them. That's it. Clarified. <laughs> now stand back while I catch this rare as fuck Amazonian green wing with its beauty and grace and its cancer cured DNA and blowtorch it. <laughs> Lest it frighten me for six fucking seconds. Truly, like, I, I don't even care if this comes off as, as like irrational. And you're all like, what the fuck is he on about? This is the weirdest rant yet. I thought this was a guest show. Like, who the fuck is his guest? Like, his other split personality. He's seriously scared of butterflies. Yes, seriously. Butterflies and moths. And this is a guest show. We'll get, we'll get on to that in a minute. Oh, and pigeons, by the way. Scared of pigeons, too. They're just too... They're too erratic. They're too flappy. Does this make sense to anyone? Can anyone else empathise with this? Too flappy, erratic, unpredictable... And I know it sounds stupid because, you know, butterflies are beautiful, as I say, and they're graceful and they're lovely. I get it. But I can't help the hollowing fear that I get when I see them. It's just there. It's just pre-installed. It's like telling your mate, like, oi, don't like tits. You know, and your mate would be like, oh, like, what? Just don't like them. You're not allowed to like tits anymore. You know, you'd be like, uh... I, I, I mean, I can't, I can't change. Like, the feeling is just there, pre-configured, activated. Like, some things are just built in. And not to get too, you know, gender stereotype about it, but, you know, a lot of men are going to like tits. A lot of women are just going to love Love Island or, you know, holidays or a good chat with other women. Slightly fewer people are going to just hate butterflies and moths you know it's there and there's fuck all that we can do about it so how about some recognition as a minority is what i'm looking for what about my rights he said outside the coffee shop he was desperate to walk into but couldn't because a giant fuck off bat thing was on the wall next to the slide door and he had tried throwing leaves at it to spook it away but a stranger told him to stop harassing the beautiful butterfly and it's an endangered species and he has to respect its right what about my rights he shouted again throwing leaves at it like some insane person you know going way off on a rant here let's color this in a bit for you because you know it's important that you understand where this all comes from right um Let's, let's join the dots on this. And then we're going to get to today's guest. Uh, you'll be relieved to hear. Uh, so for me, right, this butterflies thing, obviously it's at the fore of my mind right now because I'm in a foreign country and it's, it's not dissimilar to the situation of you know, from whence it started, if that's the right phrase, right? So when I was four on a holiday to South Africa with my old dear, my mum, and my brother, uh, we were overseas Right. And it's a sort of, it's a sort of like, this is where it's different to this holiday, right? It was a sort of marriage breakup getaway, if you will. You know, it's a single mum with two kids running away. So like, like a baby moon, you, you familiar with baby moons, right? It's where like the couple, you know, the woman's pregnant and the man and her 
they go away. It's, you know, pre-baby. It's a baby moon. You go away. Honeymoon, but like pre you know, you get the idea. And this is like a baby moon, except instead of flying off somewhere before the baby's born together, actually what you do is you wait until both kids are born, the marriage has failed, and then you take them both on a plane, solo, and run away to another fucking country to, to stay at your mum's for a bit. LOL. Anyway, like, on... On this little not-quite-family getaway, I'm wandering around with my little sandals and bucket and spade because I was four and utterly adorable. And I wandered up to this bush with my bucket and spade and I hit it, right? I think I must have seen a butterfly fly into it and so then I hit the bush to, you know, spook it or to get it to come out again or something. I'm not really sure. Uh, but I hit it with, with my bucket and spade or something, and then a load of b- butterflies flew out and into my face, and that's it. That is the root of all of it, in case you were wondering. In fact, whether, like, whether you were wondering or not is insignificant. I needed to tell you so you knew there was some vaguely plausible reason I would have a phobia of something so objectively not scary. You know? It's like being scared of like water or something, you know? It is objectively not scary. So it's important that you understand this. But it always makes me laugh, like, thinking of, like, that mini-story. Because it's such a perfect example of a ridiculous beginning of a psychological issue. You know, of a serious phobia. And when I studied... I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before, but I studied psychoanalysis in my late 20s. Did, like, an evening class. And I had to sit down as part of that training. I had to sit down with a full-on psychotherapist and talk about this stuff. And I explained how it started. Like, yeah, so, uh, you know, then I I hit the bush and the butterflies came out and uh, yeah, boom, a lifetime of a laughable phobia fucking nailed down, you know. And and the psychotherapist was like, uh, yeah, but, you know, you said your parents split when you were four and your mother flew you out to your grandmother's. I'm like, yeah. And she's like, again, so you were in a strange country, you know, unfamiliar. And your father was nowhere to be seen. And you probably felt quite vulnerable and abandoned even. And, and so then in this moment of fluster, of unpredictable fright, perhaps all of that compacted into this mascot of fear, which like sounds quite profound, right? Like I'm supposed to go, oh, I get it. The butterfly is my parental abandonment. Right, I get it. You know, but I'm keeping it cool. I'm like, right, yeah, 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 that makes sense. And the therapist is a bit bummed out now, you know? Like, it's a bit like if you have a killer joke that you just wrote, and then you test it at an open mic comedy night, and then it bombs. You know, like, you were certain it was amazing. This is my best work. And then it dies. You just tank through your arse. You're like, oh, I thought that was quite good, actually, but fine. So the the therapist is a bit bummed, and she's like, yeah, and so that's, you know, that's where it comes from. I'm like, okay. And then there's this awkward silence because she's kind of nailed it. But I'm like, so how do we fix it? And, and it's that moment right there. She's like, oh, there's no way to fix it. You know, you're, fu- <laughs> you're fucked in the head. You're scared of something completely harmless and laughable. You trembling fucking idiot. But it's like it's good to know how it started, isn't it? You know, <laughs> pointlessly get to the root of the problem that in no way helps to alleviate the actual fucking problem. <laughs> That's to me, that is therapy in 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 a you know a perfect example getting to the root of the problem you know like it's like 
Imagine a doctor walking into the, like, back into his surgery meeting room. You know, Mr. Brown, results and scans are back. Your erectile dysfunction is being caused by an aggravated tract in your testicular pap vein. And, you know, Mr. Brown's like, oh, cool. So you can, like, treat it or operate or... Oh, God, no, you know, you'll, you'll never fuck again. But here's the x-ray. You know, some people like to put them on Facebook. Uh, and would you like a lollipop? <laughs> like, that's what, the, that's what the MO feels like with therapy to me. It's just get to where it stems from, right? Not necessarily resolve it. And because, like, just because you know where something stems from doesn't stop it. That's, that's the key thing here. Like, I know how Memento started, but it doesn't make the rest of it sensical. Does it? I always felt like this was the gaping fucking plot hole in therapy to me. Or did I miss it? Like, did I miss something in those evening classes that that explains how getting to the root of something or understanding where it all started is it will then suddenly change your behavior or the primal fears that you feel in your tummy <laughs> when you see the thing that makes you fucking scared? It's like, you know, Imagine a woman going into a therapist's office. So you're saying, you're saying I go for men with severe emotional problems and addictions because my father traumatized me by normalizing bad behavior when I was a kid? Yes, Amy. Yeah, that's right. All right, well, what do I do now? I don't know. Don't like that type of person. Don't be scared of butterflies. Don't like tits! It's like logical versus illogical, isn't it? If you really boil it down... You shouldn't be scared of all Asian men just because you saw an Asian guy beat the shit out of your mother when you were six. Well, I know that I shouldn't, but it's there. It's illogical. It's the, it's the biological not logical, if that saying works here, you know? Anyway, look, I've gone way off on a tangent here, which I promised myself I would not do in the intro to a guest show. Uh, so, look, let's just compact this all up now. So, bugs, butterflies, phobias, tits... Uh, sounds like a fucking Chili Peppers album, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, right, Thailand, hot weather, you get the idea. So while I'm here in Phuket, uh, I thought it might be fun to see if I could chat to a few people in various industries. Um, I am recording this out in a car park, if you can hear the sounds of Thailand. Um, but yeah, I thought it might be fun to chat to a few people, different industries. And I always talking, uh, enjoy talking to people from the worlds of like tech or academia and investment and while enjoying an IPA in the bar here, I overheard that the owner of the place, this whole complex that we're staying in, uh, was Belgian, right? Which kind of piqued my interest because, right, so the girlfriend works in property, right? And I thought, or we thought, that to buy a place in Thailand in some, like, far-off retirement dream, I thought you had to be Thai, yourself like they don't sell property to foreigners which is kind of the route that, that the uk should go you know it's a big bugbear for a lot of us in the uk that they build all of these new builds or like you know two-bed houses for people like starter homes and then they get immediately purchased by like chinese or russian businessmen or um and so then nobody can get on the ladder like the few houses that they do fucking build in the uk every year foreign investors just buy them up and rent them out um and I thought that they had put controls in in Thailand to avoid that sort of problem from from getting a grip. Uh, so you can't buy property over here if you're foreign. Um, but this guy's built a whole apartment complex and hotel and shit. So I, I was like, why not dig into this a bit? You know, how did he do it? What's his story? So I want to be really clear here, right? 
uh, a lot of the political output that I put out uh, lends itself to like progressive causes. Uh, you know, I talk a, a bit about institutional racism, tackling corruption, overhauling parliament. So maybe it's fit to operate in the 21st century in the housing crisis and so on. But also my girlfriend does work in property investment. And and I do think, as I've said in today's show, uh, I would love to live in a utopian world where there's like deluges of cash coming in to build out the social housing sector and temper the rental market as well as house building the right number of houses so the supply and demand issue doesn't get any worse and shit doesn't get any more unaffordable right i would love that but no one's talking about those issues there's a conservative leadership race on at the moment and not once have i seen the housing crisis mentioned so i don't know i think in a country like the uk where your options are kind of limited if you're forced to quote unquote play the game as it were then maybe, I don't know, maybe property investment, either domestic in Britain or internationally, if that's more uh, affordable to you, maybe that could be a route out of financial insecurity. Um, And maybe buying a one-bed flat in a foreign country and using it as an Airbnb and generating an income that you later use as a house deposit nearer to home, like maybe that's worth some thought, I don't know. I'm not saying it's an avenue open to everyone and I'm not seeking to minimise or trivialise the challenges that people are facing. But if you are in a position to explore the routes that we discuss in this today, which I'm gonna be fully transparent here, I am not, lol, uh, or at least not yet, um, then I hope that, I don't know, it's as useful a conversation to you as it was a stimulating one uh, for me to to partake in. So please welcome tonight's guest uh, after this incredibly long intro, uh, lover of all things Thailand, former IT guy turned property investor, Mr. Joe Don't. Yeah, so when how how did you how did you start? How did you arrive in Thailand? Because you're from Belgium originally. Yes. Um, how does how does someone like yourself land here and go, yeah, this is the place I want to invest in? Probably like the most people, my first time I arrived here was in eighty-seven as a tourist. Okay. Uh, I came in what we call it, or I in Europe, the wrong season means in the rain season was uh, Songkran, yeah. April 87, and it was too hot, too wet for me, so I didn't come back for six years. <laughs> After six years coming back, I fall in love with the country because of everything, what we expect to see if you are good Catholics, I'm a Catholic, when we are dead, means paradise on earth before you are dead. Sure. Healthcare, food-wise, nice people, you have everything. So coming back second time in 93, coming more and more regularly, on a certain moment I decided to buy a holiday villa here. Right. I tried to remember the year, I think it was 2005, something like this, without any more thinking of that. Then suddenly my big company, not big company, my company gets sold in Belgium. It was not on the market, but Everything is for sale for the White Pace 2007, the best year to sell, by the way. Sure. Do you mind for, if I ask, like, please, so what, what was that industry that you were in before? Completely different. I was in the mail merge, data printing, okay. print, printer streets. Totally yeah. di- nothing to see with, 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 with investments. With, with so like business. tech, marketing? That's yeah, the yeah. old school. Cool, right. The okay. old school tech marketing, yes. So, yes, uh, please stop me if I go too fast. From there, 2005, having my villa here, 2007, Unemployed, nothing to do. Yeah. So where do you go? Where do you have your villa? Yeah. On holiday, with some money, because uh, and then I started to invest it as well as in Turkey, but ma- ma- the major money was 
put in Thailand because I strongly believe already in a world destination like Phuket, and Thailand is a, in Phuket especially is a world destination to invest here some buying property. Yeah. So I bought left and right some property, and it's all about location mm. as well in London here. Location, 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 the three major points in investment. So I bought here, I bought in Surin, and it went out that the location were really good. The, mo- the longer, the more years it takes, the better the location becomes. So one of the locations was Diamond Resort, where we are actually now. Yeah. I bought it as a buffalo land. Okay. Only buffaloes, was three meters lower, was a big nothing here. Yeah. The only reason why I bought here was Laguna, which is a very important uh, eye catcher, let's put it like this. So I bought here this land, not to build, not to do anything. And then flying backwards forwards to Belgium. Started first in Turkey with some small condos. Yeah. Uh, looks quite easy, works good before uh, our friend Erdogan. I see nothing bad about him. I call him my friend Erdogan. Sure, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but he makes his life a little bit miserable. So I, I, I left Turkey, moved to here, and then saw some opportunities here. And yeah, that's how it went. That's how why I built this place. Mm. So back to your not to your first question more of left why do I do crazy things like this <laughs> I think it starts with my family I'm born as the oldest son out of three from deaf parents right so can't hear can't yeah. hear can't speak so when you are the oldest one you have to fight for your rights yeah you have to fight for the rights of your parents okay. because they cannot speak then you get more older than you are age-wise. Mm. You get, you think you get more clever than you are. Right. And those things, because nobody guides you. you and have you to, have, then you uh, acquire the responsibilities as well. You're like, you're the communicator, you're the oh, listener, right? I'm the buyer. Yeah. If that, my father wants to buy a car, yeah. the dealer have to speak with me. And of course, if he sold me the fastest car, as a young guy, that's the only thing I want to hear. <laughs> and this is a real example, you know? Yeah, but also I suppose if you're the eyes and the ears of the family, if you're then pushed in to negotiate the purchase of a, an automobile uh, and you come away with a bad deal, then that's on your shoulders, right? So then you develop this... Skill. Uh, skill More for making a good deal, for responsibility and... Okay. One of my practical jokes from those days is, if people ask why I speak so many languages, I speak five. It's because my parents, because of my parents. Of course, it's not because of my parents. They are deaf. They yeah. don't speak. This yeah, yeah. One of my practical jokes. Yeah. So that's why I have no borders. Yeah. Because deaf people have no borders. Sure. I'm not born. I'm born in Belgium, but I never have look at the border or. So I, I was living left and right, doing business with Moscow in the old days before the went the wall went down. Lived in Guernsey. Mm-hmm. Okay. You yeah. go with guns. Yeah, yes, yeah. Near to you guys. So I was a world traveler without the, the world was my playground, you know? Yeah, yeah. Hard working, honest working, being correct all my life. Uh, and that's what bring me here mm. in this last footprint. Yeah. Earth, believe me. Is there, do you mind if I just ask, in, in terms of like purchasing the land in Thailand, um, in the UK, we have some challenges, some frustrations around. Uh, foreign nationals, let's say, like I think predominantly Russian or Chinese will come to the UK with a lot of money. There'll be a new development in London and people in London are desperate to get on the housing ladder uh, because rents can be like three, three and a half times the, the outgoing of a mortgage. 
Um, and there's a real frustration that then if it, let's say a Chinese person comes into the UK and buys like 10 of these flats, they're all snapped up straight away. And then there's not enough to go around for the actual, for the natives, if you like. Um, are there similar frustrations in Thailand? Like if you build a, a complex like this, you've got, I mean, these are really beautiful apartments that we're sat in. Thank you. Um, is there a frustration that you're not servicing the needs of the locals or? Uh, everybody can buy it and everybody bought here as well, Thai people as other people. Right. So the rules are the same for, the rules are even a little bit easier for the Thai people than for the Farangs, mm. but you always need money. It's sure. always about money, but we get even a, a quotation from the bank, from the Thai banks, a triple A quotation, means it's more easy for Thai people to buy here. They can lo- they can borrow much more money because of the triple A quality. Yeah. So it means the bank guarantee or quality. Right. So the, but before you can start building here, maybe it's a, a little bit going back on your question, we as foreigners are the Look, are no welcome on street. No, the the rules are very strict here. Yeah. Not, not not easy. It's not you commit money here and you start something. First of all, you need to you need you only can own 49% of of the whole company. So 51% have to be Thai people. Okay. Still now, of course, if you have a Thai wife like myself, then it's it's another thing. But you you need a trustee in this in this country, mm-hmm. and you need somebody who knows the rules in this country. We are in Asia. Asia is not Europe. It's not that easy. Sure. Yeah. But the buyers are, I would say, even more protected in this country, for fraud and for people for scam people than in Europe. Yeah. So they are not against us as investors, but they protect the buyers very very well. Yeah. Yeah. I see. Okay. Um, okay. Next question coming from a sort of a British property. I, I hesitate to call myself an investor because I'm not, um, but my girlfriend condos. is. Yeah. Still have some condos left. <laughs> you do me a deal. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I suppose from, from a Britain's perspective, and we don't live in London, we live about an hour outside, but property is still quite difficult to get hold of uh, within uh, like earning potential. So I'm on actually quite a comfortable salary in the UK and I would find it difficult to get onto the ladder from this point onwards. Um, there are sometimes vlogs and blogs and journalists who suggest that actually maybe think outside of your immediate location in terms of becoming an investor. So that in the UK, that would mean buying up north uh, where property is cheaper and then renting it out. Uh, and I wondered, is there a, an opportunity to do something internationally? Like, could a, could a Briton buy a condo in Thailand, uh, or would they need a, a Thai wife or no. like? No, no, no. They can buy 100% condos in Thailand. Right. 100%. Okay. As long as, if you build a project like this, I can sell 49% in 100% freehold. Right. So if you are in that kind of basket, like this condo where we are sitting in now, yeah. this is sold 100% freehold. Because I always manage to balance the freehold and the leasehold. Right. So if you buy, then you get, then this condo is 100% legal yours. And yeah. you can make money here yeah. to invest in London. Yeah. See, this is the thing I think sometimes people don't understand about uh, 
the London market or even more broadly the global property market is like I, I would love to live in a world where there is enough social housing to help people who are not able to get on the ladder uh, where they're not living in a sort of decrepit London crumbling tower block with with patchy facilities and so on. I'd like to see that. But I also live in the real world where I don't think that sort of thing is going to be funded in the immediate future. So I'm all about finding opportunities for people who can get on the ladder and attain some level of financial security for themselves. So are we saying that, let's say somebody on a reasonable or average salary in London, so I guess that would be about 40,000 pounds a year, I'm not sure what that is in bar off the top of my head, um, but they could, I guess they would need to be a cash buyer, right? To buy overseas? Uh, or could they use a mag- London maximum, maximum three years, they can pay 60% now and 2020, so you need anyway cash, you have to pay it maximum three years because we are not a bank. Eh? Sure, sure, okay. So they would need to be able to save a third of the figure each year and then keep chipping that in. But on top, we give, in this case, in Diamond, and I speak only about my resort, we give a guarantee uh, rent uh, ROI of 5% every year of your invested money. Right, okay. And you still have the right to use your own condo for one month. Right, I see, okay. So you would effectively sell the condo to them, but then rent it out. If they want it. Yeah, yeah. This one is sold for people who want to live here. Yeah, yeah. Everything is possible. Yeah. It's it's not a timesharing. Sure. It's buying. It's yours. Yeah, yeah. But look at this one. After after COVID, this looks still like a diamond. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, So let's flip it for a second. I'm really interested to hear this. So you've worked in Thai property investment for a few years. Uh, there must have been some sort of like interesting stories and like local scandals or anything like that. Let's maybe go back. Why, why Phuket? Okay, no? yeah, sure. I think, I yeah, think this can... is because Phuket is like I told you already very briefly, it's a world destination. Mm. And there's, and How, why? What do you mean by that? Sorry. Uh, first of all, international airport. Right. Very okay. important. If yeah. you look at other places, for example, Samui. You can fly straight into it, straight you can out. Fly straight in. Great. They are building a new uh, airship near to this one mm-hmm. because the pe- people who have more vision than me, than us, if I may say, over the world are putting a lot of money in here. Big uh, hotel chains are making new hotels here. Mm-hmm. So we still, Phuket uh, always recover. Yeah. Tsunami, this, that, always, Phuket always come back as the first. Now on top we are. We have we are very much a big commitment from Bangkok because for Thailand Phuket is they use the sandbox they launch Phuket first before they start anything else in Thailand. Right. Phuket is new road infrastructure tunnels. They build t- tunnels. They're going to, they're talking about building a train uh, go from um, north to south. Mm. All those things. So Phuket, why I'm talking about because it is a world destination. If you look on the, on the world map. We are connected to the most of interesting places on the world as well. Yeah. So this is why we are in Phuket and why I strongly believe in the future of Phuket. Yeah, and I suppose that's an important thing. Like, So coming from an outsider's perspective, uh, just jumping in taxis, driving around the island, uh, the impression that I get is that it's, it's a beautiful place. Um, there's a lot of really exciting investment opportunities, loads of great hotels. Um, the one... Uh, challenge I could see would be around the infrastructure 
around. So like obviously everywhere you drive, you see big like power cables everywhere. Um, uh, I'm I'm wondering about, you know, if I were working and living over here, I'd be worrying about uh, like internet speed because of what I do is my day job. Um, but it sounds as though there's sufficient investment coming in um, and, and that actually rather than focusing on these things as a negative, it should be looked at as a kind of an opportunity that the investment is coming in that in the next sort of five years or so, you'll start to see a lot of that kind of overhauled, right? They are doing this already in Pukatan, so yeah. the wires are disappearing already on the ground. Right. It's of course a huge project, but they are, they are doing it. The commitment yeah. is there to put everything under the ground. Uh, power workers very 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 rare here yeah yesterday was it yesterday or the day before yesterday was it not a power cut but there was an announced upgrading quality of the electricity of course sure. then, yeah. then you can have some power cuts but there were announced we really very really have power cuts here yeah uh, internet speed I don't know how we should I presume your internet is good in in, in in this area it depends of course of also the hotel owners or the condominium owners the investment they make for the internet, but internet is one of the most important things uh, those sure. days. It's connecting with the world. Yeah. So th- we are we are with it. We are with it. No yeah. problem at all. Is there any aspiration to co- sort of um, uh, like greenify the island? Because you get a lot of sun, right? Mm-hmm. So is there a plan to kind of have fields mm-hmm. of like panels to more and more and more? Even a project where I'm involved in Sweden, it's all solar or green yeah so the new future we are pick, we are picking up i just missed this boat by inches yeah but the next next project i'm stopping i'm just silent partner yeah the, the future is green here yeah yeah we are See, looking at green solution for sure yeah because that's a big thing i think back home uh, at the moment i'm not sure what it's like in belgium uh but with like gas prices electricity electricity prices they went up 70% in April, they're going up another 80% in October. Everything's going absolutely nuts. And so I suppose the prospect of maybe buying a flat in Phuket uh, in the next two to five years, where there is an aspiration to just get renewable energy in, where you could have a decent lifestyle also, uh, and where it has to be said, the people are way friendlier over here as well. That's a, that's a key thing. Like, so walking around with my kids, uh, everyone just dotes on them all the time. They love kids. Yeah. It's they like, I was thinking about this yesterday. Like, if I was walking around London with my children, you would, would be afraid. Anyone... No, you would be afraid if they come around your children. It's yeah. Not even, you would not like it. Yeah. But they, they, wouldn't even why? Look, they wouldn't even look at my kid. They would just be like, oh, annoying children, get out of my way, you know. Uh, over here, everyone stops to talk to them. They look like... The land of the smile. They what, sorry? The land of the smile. Oh, yes, yeah. It is. It's yeah. not a promotion thing. It is like that. Yeah. It really is like that. So here's, here's a weird question. This is a psychological question now. Do you think it's down to the weather? Like it's so sunny and nice and beautiful here that it makes everyone happier and friendlier? Or Not agreed. Go to Vietnam. Go to the other countries. It's Thailand. Yeah. It's the culture in Thailand. Sorry, it's the culture of Thailand. Mm. Nothing to see with the weather, nothing to see because it's hard life also, yeah. especially in the old days with the boat, with the co- with the cows and everything. No, no, no. It's it's the people. It's in yeah. there, and it's still in there. Yeah. So okay, so let's peel the layers of that back a little bit. So what is it about the Thai people that makes them so friendly? Where does that come from? Do you think? 
Buddha, Buddhism. For me, Buddhism is a, a, a lot to see with it. Yeah. You know, looking now at my wife and yeah. she agree that's already something. I think it's a Buddha, the Buddha culture, and yeah, always be like that. Always, where it's coming from, this is a yeah. very difficult question to answer for me as a as a foreigner. But but it's it's one of the reasons why you come back to Thailand. They really help you already in the oldest when I'm coming here. Stupid things, flat tire with 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 a with a, with a bicycle in, in in the mountains. Second car stopped already. Put me on there. Bring yeah. me to motorbike shop. Don't want any tips. It's it's like, it's, it's it's them. Yeah, yeah. It's them. So back to about what happened in my construction site or so. So, so the only thing I don't know is the right thing to say, but whoever buy in another country, one thing, proper due diligence. Proper diligence. Yes. Yeah. This is very important because, mm. like everywhere in the world, you have people who take money and run away. Mm. So, no matter where you buy, no matter with who you buy, do a proper due diligence. Mm. This is the biggest message I can give. And then, that's here, the thing, isn't it? It's like so. My my girlfriend works in uh, I mentioned in in property. She doesn't do construction. She does investment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she always says, you know, the, like the capital growth the trend for property investment is generally upwards. You know, you might have a crash, you might lose some money, but generally after a few years, it will incline again. Um, But one of the things we always talk about is that it's important to recognize that things can go really bad. So if you're investing, let's say 500,000 pounds in a flat in London or 500 grand in a property in Thailand uh, that hasn't been built yet, you're buying it off plan, something could go wrong, an investor could pull out their money. Yeah, COVID. You mentioned a few. So before we started recording, you were talking about some of the bumps in the road that you've had along the last couple of years. Perhaps you could you All, only in this project. Yeah. From st- day one to now, I had first of all the deflation. Is it the word? Deflation. The ruble. The the. Oh right. Yes. The crash of the ruble. Yeah, the rate Ma- of the ruble to the dollar and the pound. Minus fifty yeah. percent. Yeah. Means a condo became double as expensive as they want plan. Sure. Buy, so they cancel all this. Yeah. But you are under construction. You you have your commitment to your suppliers. Mm. We are strong. We survived it. We have we have a, a strong. My partner, myself. Yeah. We have strong background. Otherwise, you're dead. And your investors are dead with you. Mm. Then we get. Then we opened the grand opening here was in November 2019. Big party, everything beautiful, fully booked, everything. Four months later, we get COVID. Yeah. It could kill us easy if you're not if you are really like a gambler and you 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 try to you're dead. You there's no way you survive. You look around and you see a lot of those things. So really, do diligence, do diligence before you do. So now after after COVID, what do we get? We get Mr. Putin. Yeah. So. We have a lot of people all over the world. People don't fly so much anymore because of there's a war going on. Then we get the prices who are going ridiculous high from the planes. So there's a non-stop gambling. So you need to, if you buy something as an investment, for sure as an investment, be sure. Yeah. Don't gamble with your money. Yeah. Don't let other people gamble with your money. Proper due diligence is, a, is the most important thing about investments abroad, mm. even in your own country. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But I mean, this is the challenge, isn't it? Is it fundamentally like here we are saying don't gamble with your money, but fundamentally it is always a bit of a gamble. You're always going to have to because there are things out of your control. Yeah. Like yeah. the COVID thing. Like who could have predicted five oh. years ago? Yeah, that there would be a, a pandemic that would decimate 
tourism, flights, even like bus journeys. Everything. Yeah. Yeah, because even in the UK property market, it's been really interesting to see. So London, typically, as a, as a property market, you probably know this already, uh, incredibly overheated. Uh, I mentioned earlier, people can't get on the ladder. Uh, properties in London are, um, I think the last count was something like nine or 10 times the average salary. So um, it's, it's insane. Um, but what, what the pandemic did was it actually convinced a lot of homeowners in London that there was more to life than living in a tiny flat in the southeast of London with no garden and they've got kids in the flat going crazy and they're having to work from home. So a lot of people started moving out. And so the London market actually started to dip. And then where we live out like an hour, hour and a half outside, all of those property prices started to go up. Um, so it's really interesting to see the impact of the I saw exactly the same thing. I have a little place in France where we go once or twice a year. It's a little village, 300 people. Yeah. But 150 from Paris, really in the middle of nowhere, and half of the town was for sale. Yeah. Nobody wants to live there anymore. No. After COVID, we went back, everything was sold. Yeah. Nothing more for sale. 150 kilometers from Paris. Eh? Yeah. Same as in London, people want to have something with a garden. Yeah. With if something like this happened again. Yeah. Well, also, there's a lot of people who work from an office who now they're like, why do I have to come into an office every day when I can do this from home? I've got friends who worked in the city of London, big banks, East End of London, uh, and they sold up their house in North London and bought out in Devon, which is about two, I think two hours out of London, way out in the country. Uh, and now they've got this big country house with a garden and two kids that go to a nice school. And I think I don't think that's an isolated case. I think a lot of people for the pandemic, it there's made no them go. Back. There is no way back. Yeah. There's no there's no more before COVID. There's only yeah. after COVID. People don't go back to the old days. No way. No. And do you have a lot of that? Because there's a big thing about digital nomads, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we have them, yeah. Really? So people oh. coming from the UK who work in tech, who then live out here and they... I can tell you a story about a couple lawyers from sure. the US. Right. And they were already here working six months and they didn't know that over there that they were here. Yeah. Oh, right. Six months. Yeah. Working night hours in a blank, blank office. Yeah. And there in Silicon Valley, they didn't know they were not more there. Yeah. <laughs> Just okay. like secretly working from home kind of thing. The yeah. They didn't. They left US and they were working here for six months, and nobody in the office knew they were no more there. No. Yeah, and it's funny because the like working from a, uh, a a foreign location traditionally, like for me, I work in tech, and I think of that as a follow the sun model, a sort of you know an offshore or a nearshore. I never really thought of it as something that could apply to me or people that work in my team, but now just going back to the pandemic, that's something that has it's sort of opened the door to us where we think I could work for a company in London and just work from a condo in Thailand, right? More and more people are doing like this. We have yeah. a lot of them, uh, not a lot, but we have already people like this here. And that's why internet is very, very, very important. We have to be sure. very solid. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, more and more, there's a, new, there's a new world. Yeah, okay. Um, last, last big question for you, and then I'm gonna throw some quick fire questions at you. So, um, you're very passionate about Thailand and investing in Thailand and the people here, and, and that's a really beautiful thing to hear. Um, if you 
couldn't invest in Thailand any longer, what other country would you look at? Probably my own country. Back in no, Belgium? No, 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 no. Correct me. Turkey. Okay. I'll go back to Turkey. Yeah. Turkey is going also. It's a world thing. It's not only London. It's not only Paris. It's a world thing. People are putting their money now in real estate. Yeah. There's no other solution in my eyes. Mm. I'm not a crypto crypto guy, so for me, there's only real estate. I was, I was going to say to you earlier, when you said about the ruble uh, tanking, I wondered if maybe you had taken any orders for apartments in Bitcoin and then... We have people who want to buy in Bitcoin. I say, change your Bitcoins in buff and you can buy here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no. no. You want to gamble. I don't gamble. For me, it's gamble. Yeah. Sorry. And I'm... And I'm I'm the same. I mean, you're preaching to the converted hit. So I, I played with Bitcoin about, must have been about seven years ago now. And I made a lot of money very quickly. And then just when we, me and my girlfriend were about to go away on holiday, uh, the ATM card that they gave me um, had its license pulled, like overnight with no notice. I had no way of getting the Bitcoin money out. And that was going to be like my holiday money. So I had to turn around to my girlfriend and say, I know I said I was going to take you away for a week, but I don't have any money. So, uh, so yeah, not very angry, uh, not very happy with me. So yeah, I would. My advice would be, leave it alone. Um, okay, so some quick fire questions just to round off. Uh, what is your favourite song, Joe? Favourite song? Yeah. This is a bloody difficult question. Do I have that? <laughs> What's his favourite song? <laughs> not in general not French French music old school French music but not of no not really maintenant je le sais okay Jean Rabet not familiar but I'll I'll take that no I know he started when he was young I think I know and I got older and oh I still and then on the end now I know okay one one to add to my Spotify. Uh, okay, uh, what's the last thing that you did that you really wish you didn't? Buying food at 7-Eleven. <laughs> so for the benefit of listeners, so before we started recording, I said, I said to Joe, oh, it's nice to meet you. Uh, and uh, he showed me his hand. He's had an injection because he had food poisoning from, he, he suspects, from 7-Eleven. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Okay. Um, and then last question, uh, just to wrap up, uh, actually, this is a two pronged question. Who would play you in a movie about your life? Who would play me? Who would act as you if there was a movie about your life? I don't understand the question. Sorry. So if somebody made a movie about your life, who would you cast as the actor to play you? No idea. No I'm, not, I'm not into movies. No idea at all. So no movies, very little music. Uh, very. I I love to hear music, but I don't have a thing. I I, I just buy tickets for Guns Guns and Roses in the in nine of uh, November in, in in Bangkok. Oh, fair play. I go to see Santana. So yeah, yeah. But not not really a style. Sure. And not really an actor. Also, no. Yeah, no. yeah. Okay, it's interesting. Okay, and then uh, very last question, the second part of that one. Have you been told that you look like anyone? Oh yes. You want to see you like who? Sure. You, you, you probably can answer that yourself. Uh, here. It's gonna be so difficult to find. Just quickly googling this, guys. Sorry. Albums. 
and then here. And then you can fill in him yourself. I actually don't recognise him. Who's that? Tom Selleck and this, this me. Is that a young Tom Selleck? That's me. That's, that's it. Who they say more that <laughs> it's not me. People say that. Eh? Yeah, yeah. Wife, your wife is unconvinced, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah but this, I look like who I don't know. Yeah. Like myself. Yeah. Like myself. You're, um, you are your own man. I'm Good. Uh, two feet on the earth, down yeah. on earth. Uh, no. Okay. Cool. Well, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for joining me, uh, Joe Don't. It's a, a really fascinating chat. Um, and yes, if anyone is curious about uh, his development, um, by all means, jump on. Look for Diamond Resorts in Phuket. And uh, I'll be back next week, probably with the solo show on Wednesday. Uh, we're out here for a month, so expect more interviews with fascinating people. Catch up with you soon. Ciao. Bye-bye.